Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you. <laughs> Amazing. In some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate Capacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Uh Uh-oh. Barack Obama might be in bad trouble. Also, unemployment. It is in bad trouble. And finally, 
America's most sacred institution under fire. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. I like to think for myself. You all know that by now. I don't like to take what everybody else is saying and just go along with the same narrative. How often have you seen me swim against the tide? I don't care what other people say. So allow me to open up the show with a tweet from Buck Sexton. Buck said, and this was retweeted by the President of the United States, the big man himself, quote, if you read a news story about some European country where, after a fair election, the outgoing president used his last weeks in office to target incoming officials and sabotage the new administration, you'd be appalled. It happened here, and half the country thinks it was fine. Now, while that is a brilliant thought by our very own Buck Sexton, allow me to expand briefly. This is a really, really, really big deal. And I understand we live in this partisan, divided country. And I'm not one of these people who cries about that all the time. I realize everybody lives in this world of make-believe where they think we used to always get along. Just like yesterday, everybody was just hugging and singing kumbaya. And if only the other side would stop doing so-and-so, then we'd get along again. We've never gotten along. Yes, I think the divide is worse now than it's been since we were shoving bayonets into each other during the Civil War, but we've never gotten along. Ever since America was founded, half the country hated the place. During the American Revolution, do you know the percentage of the American public that actually wanted revolution? A third. A third. Actually, that's not a percentage, that's a fraction. I didn't do well in math, it's okay. A third. A third wanted to side with the British, a third didn't care either way. So if you're one of these freedom-loving Americans, you've always been a minority. Enjoy it, you're a minority again. So yes, we are extremely, extremely divided on this, but half the country is going to deny it. Buck's 100% right, and you need to ignore them because it is a big deal for the president of the United States of America to take the federal law enforcement arm and instruct them? Do we think he instructed them? He certainly might have instructed them. In the very least, we know he knew about it. Let's all just agree on that. We have Peter Strzok's text messages talking about POTUS wants to know everything. He didn't say POTUS wants to check in now and then. He said POTUS, speaking about Barack Obama, wants to know everything. So unless he was blatantly lying in those sultry little text messages, that much we know. So that means Barack Obama knew that the Federal Bureau of Investigation was going to investigate his political opponent, which is bad enough, but oh, did I mention? The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the federal law enforcement arm, investigated the political opponent of the president using bad information, bad information they got from Hillary Clinton's campaign? Oh, and wait, there's more. They knew it was bad information. And they lied just so they could do the spying they wanted to do. You know, Donald Trump is out there talking about this being worse than Watergate. Um, that's, that's not blowing it out of proportion. If the President of the United States of America used the federal law enforcement arm to spawn his political opponent, that is by a mile the biggest political scandal 
in the history of the United States of America. And I don't care that Buck is correct and half the country doesn't care. That's a big deal. And I'm under no illusions because I'm King Cynic that anything significant is going to happen to anybody. Maybe some bad pub. You get the media begrudgingly, well, okay, maybe he wasn't a god, just a demigod. That's about all happened. But that's prison time, man. Should be. If you want to set an example that that should never, ever, 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 ever happen again, and it shouldn't happen again in the United States of America, that's prison time. And I want you to close your eyes for a second and imagine something. All right, just close your eyes and imagine. Well, wait, I don't want you to have to stop looking at me. I know what a privilege that is. So just think about this. What if Donald Trump walked into the FBI director's office and said, hey, look, Ray, here's what I need. I need you to open up an investigation into Joe Biden's campaign. And Ray said, well, well we don't have anything, sir. And him, him to say, you know, find something. And Ray's like, all right, sir, I got you. And he went out and dug up information that he knew to be bad, information that was actually produced by the Trump campaign in order to approach the FISA court and spy on Joe Biden's campaign. Do you have any idea what would happen to the media in this country? They would quite literally be marching to the White House lawn with torches and pitchforks if, if Donald Trump, if any Republican, pulled that crap. I realize this was St. Obama and that he could do no wrong, but this is a major deal, a bipartisan major deal. I don't care who denies it. Any party, any person in the country who looks at that situation and doesn't think, ooh, we really need to get to the bottom of that, you can't ever trust that person ever again. You cannot trust that person ever again. And Barack Obama, boy, it's really weird. I, you're going to have to call me crazy. The timing of all this. You see, Obama's been not silent during the Trump presidency, but pretty quiet, right? Especially for a man who's so in love with the sound of his own voice. He's been pretty quiet. And now he's... Now he's not quiet anymore. Talking about the Trump coronavirus response, I wonder why. It would have been bad even with the best of governments. It has been an absolute chaotic disaster uh, when that uh, mindset of what's in it for me uh, and to heck with everybody else, when that mindset is operationalized uh, in our government. That's really strange, isn't it? Coming out strongly saying things like that. And I know this is petty, but I tend to be petty because I lack any kind of formal education or morals or anything like that. So I hate how he talks. Can you imagine if I stood here or sat here, whatever, every single night and talked to you in this way? in uh, these halting sentences. It's absolutely awful. I've never understood why people love that about that guy. It always sounds like he's searching for the right words to make sure he doesn't say anything. Just speak my word, man. All right. It doesn't stop there. Speaking of the media and what they'd be doing if Barack Obama... Well, if a Republican had done that to Barack Obama or was doing that to Joe Biden, 
Let's talk about the media's campaign over the last three years of blatantly lying about things. Forget about the things they just flat out got wrong. They show things that are not true and present them as facts. And then every now and then it'll be so embarrassing, like the, like the case here with Chuck Todd, where they'll have to come out after and apologize, which I'll show you all that in a second. But remember this. This is not an accident. There is a reason that we have three years now of every single whoopsie, every single accident only going one way. When every single accident in the press makes Republicans look bad initially and then they have to retract that after the first one gets so much pub, that's not an accident. That's either A, a concentrated effort to lie by the American media, that's worst case scenario, or B, really, the best case scenario is these people are so biased and stupid, they just lack the desire to vet any information before they put it out there. Here's what Chuck, Chuck Todd put out on Meet the Press. Uh, you brought up Bill Barr. Peggy Noonan, I want you to listen to this Bill Barr answer to a question about what will history say about this? Wait till you hear this answer. Take a listen. When history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? Well, history's written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on <laughs> uh, who's writing the history. I was struck, Peggy, by the cynicism of the answer. It's a correct answer, but he's the attorney general. He didn't make the case that he was upholding the rule of law. He was almost admitting that, yeah, this is a... This is a political job. When history looks back on this decision, how do you think it will be written? Well, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on, on uh, who's writing the history. But I think a fair history would say it was a, it was a good decision because it, it upheld the rule of law. It, helped, it, it upheld the standards of the Department of Justice, and it undid what was an injustice. Those are two completely different answers when pre presented the right way. Obviously, Chuck Todd only played the initial one. That, that last one was the full clip. Um, I don't call for people's jobs. I'm not calling for Chuck Todd's job. Actually, that's not true. I call for coaches' jobs all the time during football season when I get upset. But that's irrational. But isn't that a little disqualifying? Especially to be on Meet the Press. I realize Meet the Press is kind of garbage now, but it still at least has a reputation of being a straightforward news show. That's a lie. And you can put out everything, you know, Dr Donald Trump went out here and he said, sleepy eyes, Chuck Dodd should be fired by Comcast for this fraud. He knew exactly what he was doing. Public airwaves equals fake news. So Trump thinks he should be fired, but this apology is what gets me. Meet the Press says, you're correct. Earlier today, we inadvertently and inaccurately cut short a video clip of an interview with A.G. Barr before offering commentary and analysis. The remaining clip included important remarks from the Attorney General that we missed, and we regret the error. Inadvertently? Um, we have a production staff on this show. We don't inadvertently cut anything off at any time. In fact, it's part of, I'll just tell you, it's part of putting together every single show. It's discussing which video clips we're going to play, where we're going to cut them off in order to make sure we present the entire story. And I'm not even a journalist. 
This is an opinion show. You watch this to be a little bit informed and a lot entertained. Your Meet the Press, you didn't inadvertently cut anything. Stop with that crap. You did that on purpose. And you got busted. Hand in the cookie jar once again. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you know what makes me comfortable? Sleeping at night. And what keeps me from sleeping at night? It's tough to say because these thoughts just go racing through my head a million miles a minute. The same thing you go through when you lay down. You see, when you lay down at night and it's time to sleep, you don't lay there and think to yourself, hmm, I feel totally fine. I'm completely at ease. I think I'll knock out. You lay down tired, needing sleep, knowing you need sleep, and your mind will not stop. You're thinking about the day. You're thinking about the next day. You're thinking about coronavirus, Great Depression, whatever the case may be, your kid's job, the old lady, all of it. You need an ebb sleep. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse and buy one. It is a wearable device that targets those thoughts in your forehead area, calming you down, putting you to sleep. Oh, and I need to mention, make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Tryeb.com slash JESSE, promo code JESSE. All right, we got a lot more for you. Well, the economy's not good. I don't have a better way to put it. The economy is not good. We locked down the country, and now we're trying to open it back up again. And here's the issue. People don't know how to do this in a way that the public will accept, in a way that the politicians will allow. Take, for instance, my great state of Texas. We are one of the more free states, right? We're one of the states with our heads on straight. We got this figured out. Texas, baby. Well, we're only open at 25%. We've been given orders that we're only allowed to open at 25%. I was out and about this weekend. I was in a restaurant this weekend, one of the best restaurants here locally. There weren't that many people in there. No, don't get me wrong. Every table that was allowed to have customers had them. Texans clearly want to be out. But they have one out of every three tables actually available. The rest have to be blocked off. There's signs everywhere. Social distancing here. Help us keep clean. There's gallons of hand sanitizer all over the place. That was one tiny example. I went to a furniture store this weekend as well. I know. I know what you're thinking. I live a wild life, and boy, I do. But I went to a furniture store this weekend. Same thing. Signs everywhere. Markings on the floor. Make sure you stand here. Make sure you stand there. You understand how something like a restaurant makes their living, right? You get how they make profits, customers. I know you're blown away by that, but customers. And understand this. I've known restaurant owners at, like, say, a nice steakhouse. They'll have a deal on some food where they actually lose money on all the food that they sell, but they make all their money back on liquor sales. I've known restaurant owners who will barely break even if not lose money throughout the week, but they bank on Friday and Saturday night being at capacity, and that's where they'll make all of the 5%, maybe 10% profit for a month. An industry that's been slammed, like the restaurant industry, and that's one small example. How are they going to survive like this at 25%? Oh, and did I mention 
we're one of the freer states right now. There are restaurants across the country not open at all or just open to go. We are going to see far-reaching consequences. We're not opened back up. We are still being slaughtered by these lockdowns. And these Democrat governors don't seem to be in a hurry to open back up at all. Why would they? They're going to get reelected, probably, and they can hurt President Donald Trump badly by keeping the country locked down. And they get to flex a little muscle. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a governor now. I can tell everybody what to do. Don't think that doesn't play a role in all this. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin didn't have anything great to say. If we do this carefully, working with the governors, I don't think there's a considerable risk. Matter of fact, I think there's a considerable risk of not reopening. You're talking about what would be permanent economic damage to the American public. I realize he can't say this. He's the Treasury Secretary. He has to say exactly what Donald Trump allows him to say. That's fine. But we've already passed the point on permanent damage. I don't have to elaborate for you. I've elaborated over and over and over again. You should see my email inbox. We have closed many institutions. Some family businesses that have been open for decades, we've closed them for good already. And remember this. Every single day that goes by, that number increases. That number doesn't go down. Tomorrow, there'll be another business that looks at their books. Well, we're out of money. We can't borrow anymore. I guess that's all. It's true. Kevin Hazett said this. You know, I, I think that just looking at the flow of initial claims, that it looks like we're probably going to get close to 20% in the next report depending on whether the virus has really abated by that point and economies are really getting going again, uh, then it could start to head down from there. But I would guess sort of middle of the summer is when we're gonna start to go into the transition phase. Uh, and then uh, I expect that by the second half of the year, the CBO forecast is you know, what we hope will be right, uh, which will be that you'll have uh, very strong growth in the third and fourth quarters. That is certainly putting a sunny face on the highest percentage of unemployment since the Great Depression. I don't have another way to put this. I don't have a way to put this kindly. We are in the middle of an economic disaster. I don't care whether you're one of these coronaviruses, the end of the world people, or whether you're one of these, the whole thing's been overblown people. All that is just guessing at this point in time. What I'm telling you for a fact is we are in the middle of an economic disaster, a man-made economic disaster. I know that makes people uncomfortable when I talk about that, but again, this is not your mommy's show. This is my show. I'm telling you how it is. And we did this to ourselves. One nation decided they were going to lock down. Then another nation did. Then another nation did. And soon, it became just the acceptable thing. That's what we're going to do. Let's just shut her down. Well, obviously, we're just going to lock down. And there were like four of us saying, uh, you, you can't stop a $20 trillion economy. You're going to kill it. And you know what? I got screamed at and yelled at for two months. Now, thankfully, I'm a sociopath, and I don't care about that, so I never stopped. But you're seeing it. I've never been less happy to be right. I know we call the show I'm right. I generally love being right. I've never been less happy to be, be right. I told you a Great Depression was coming. People said I was ridiculous. They said, oh, we're just pausing the economy. 
You don't pause a $20 trillion economy. You either let it go or you slam it into a wall. And we slammed it into a wall. Here is Larry Kudlow. As bad as those job numbers were, and I don't want to sugarcoat it because I, I, I think the numbers for May are going to be also very difficult numbers. It's going to take a while uh, for the reopening to have an impact. It is going to take a while. Oh, and there's something else I forgot to mention. All right, I'm going to try to make this the last of the bad news. We're paying a lot of people not to work right now. And you can yell and scream all you want. That's unemployment fraud, I'm telling you right now. We have paid people. We are paying people the equivalent of $52,000 a year not to work. And it doesn't stop until July. I know for a fact, because I have several friends who own businesses, not to brag or anything like that, and they have told me they're lower-wage workers, they're not coming back to work. They don't want to come back to work. So not only did we slaughter our economy, Congress, in all their good graces, passed this idiotic stimulus bill that paid people not to work, and now we need the economy to open back up again? Those government checks are still coming, aren't they? Yeah, you're starting to understand exactly the situation we found ourselves in. It's really, 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 really bad. It is. I don't, I don't have a better way to put it. We need the country to collectively wake up, and we need them to wake up right freaking now. And we'll see if it happens. We'll keep pushing on this show. All right, with well, that sunny news, <laughs> we've got more. Hang on. Joining me now to discuss all the news of the day, the great Ken LaCourt of LaCourt News. Ken, um, this Obama thing is a really big deal. I realize people like you and I have been talking about this for a long time, but you're starting to see the media be forced to talk about it as well. Look, we all know about Comey and, and Brennan and FISA court and all the big buzzwords everyone's been using. Somehow, some way, Barack Obama's name has never really been attached to any of this when he was the big cheese at the time. Do you think he's sweating this a little? You know, it's a really good question. I mean, I mean, the press corps treats him better than they would have ever treated Jesus. I mean, you know, they love him. They wish he were back. And the big question that I think is going to have to start coming on people's list, lips is what did the president know and when did he know it? I mean, look, I've never seen in my lifetime kind of an attempted coup by the FBI against a sitting president. I mean, when you look at what they were doing to unelect this recently elected president, it's kind of mind-blowing. Now, the, the, the media will never take that on properly. And now the big question is, is, is did these guys all do that behind Barack Obama's back? Did, did he had nothing to do with this, or was he, was he part of this? And no smoking guns yet, no, uh, no even good paper trails, but we're starting to see some little signs of, that are making you start to scratch your head a little bit. When people are writing themselves notes and sending themselves emails 15 minutes after a president's being sworn in saying, oh, and by the way, Ken, the president never did anything wrong. He said just to play by the rule book, that makes me uh, scratch my head. Not proof, but certainly something that uh, the water's starting to circle around the drain just a little bit. I can't wait to start using the phrase, the walls are closing in on Barack Obama 25 times a day. 
Yes, me too. But look, Ken, you've been around this game longer than I've been around it. You know all the players of it. I find it very difficult to believe, and please feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. I find it difficult to believe the FBI would ever in a million years take the step of opening up an investigation on the president's political opponent without the president signing off. I just find that impossible to believe. Seems unlikely, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. I, 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 the FBI doesn't work, you know, completely on its own. They do fall under the president. And I have to think the president, if he didn't want that investigation to happen, it would have never happened. But does anyone actually go down for this? I know I'm asking you to predict a lot before we have everything that comes out, but it's looking really bad. And I am used to the good old boy network of Washington where there's a lot of noise for about 24, 48 hours. Ah, oh, this is the end of the world. And nobody sees the inside of a jail cell. Look, I kind of bristle generally when I hear lock her up or lock him up. You know, by and large countries where when the new party comes in, they arrest everybody who just left. Those are generally kind of sucky countries, right? But this was getting to the point where you look at it and you're like, somebody needs to go to prison for this. You cannot get the, the investigative powers of the government and turn it against political opponents without having somebody seen with the inside of a jail cell. This is, this is clear what has been going on there. I think we're going to see many, many more many more uses of FISA, uses of the NSA. I mean, I mean, you know, th this last eight years or the eight years of the Obama presidency also happened to coincide with a radical expansion of their ability to wiretap and, and to traffic and, and find out what people are doing and thinking. The whole iPhone cell market, which, which is a huge, huge ability to investigate people, kind of came up at that same time. And I think that, uh, I think that it was clear now that that was abused and now the question is was it abused poorly or was it abused horribly and often and i suspect that you're going to see this this widen a lot and that's why people are freaking out where do you stand on that fisa court stuff ken and, and i say it you know explaining this to everybody to anyone who may not know that's the fisa court is the special court you have to go before a special judge if you're the fbi and you want a warrant to spy on an american citizen you can't just do that willy-nilly a special judge has to sign off on it when we started looking into this stuff, Ken, I'm seeing numbers, and they're all over the board, but they're all above 90%, 92% approval. I saw one said 98% approval, one said 99% approval. approval. Essentially, you mean the percentage of times them coming in to ask for something and getting it back. That's that's exactly right. It's, uh, that, that, that doesn't seem like a court. That seems like a monkey with a stamp that says approved on it that just slams it down every single time someone brings something. I have a major issue with that. Already I'm not comfortable spying on American citizens, but when the special court is a rubber stamp, brother, I've got a big problem now. Yeah, look, I've talked to FBI agents who've made strong cases that are saying, you know, this court is needed to stop real terrorism against Americans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when you have a court where they won't tell you where it is, you might be the subject of it. You don't have representation, even pretend phony representation on the other side, and you may never know what happened inside of that. That seems very, very un-American to me. And, and, you know, one easy fix that I would see is, okay, we discovered something bad about Jesse. We're getting wiretaps make it so that that has to keep getting re-upped. And then at some point, you have to be able to find out that they that they warranted this against you and that they went and searched your phone and searched your records. You know, you can certainly do that within a framework of, 
of keeping long-term investigations safe. I mean, they don't last forever, but after a year, after two years, popping that out would, I think, would, would, would open up a lot of, of, of people taking stronger looks at that. Now, I think that they shouldn't be called courts. It's, it's a scary thing. We did it in the wake of 9-11, and I think we need to, we need to back off of it a, a good 30% and put in some real and, and, and teeth, teethy type of, of, of ways to prevent that from being abused, because it clearly was abused for politics in this case. I mean, there's no way to get around that. Clearly. I mean, George Papadopoulos Clearly. is some little nobody kid who, who you know, they were making stuff up about to go to go use the, the power of the government to investigate him to take down Donald Trump, and it was wrong. Ken, the economy. The, econ the country has to open. Uh, no matter what, even if you're, I, I believe you were more of a lockdown person than I was, maybe I have that wrong, but no matter how, where you were, where we are now well, everybody is was Great more Depression of a lockdown proponent than you. Yeah, that's a, that is a fact. But we are at the point where we have to open things. It's not debatable we have to open things up. But if oh. you're Donald Trump, you have and your experts have and the governors have and the mayors have. I'm not putting this all on him. You've spent two months now telling every American they're going to die if they leave their house or they're going to kill their grandma. And now you have to have people get back to work. What does that message need to look like coming from the White House now? Because you can't get up there and say, I was wrong, or at least I'm not anticipating that. Maybe you maybe don't think he was. But you also can't get up there and say, virus is gone, you're totally safe, but you need him to go. So what do you say? Well, I mean, the one thing about politicians, and whether it's Donald Trump or every single governor in America, they're going to take the actions that make them look good, even if those actions aren't necessarily the best actions to take. And right now we're stuck in that. I mean, you know, beaches are still closed in California, not because anybody that they've ever showed has ever gotten an infection on a windy beach, but it's to make them look good. Same with a lot of this mass stuff. Um, my gut tells me that the way out of it is, is you just keep pushing that forward. You, you talk about flattening the curve because they did move the ball on us at one point. Remember, it was all about flattening the curve, and that's oh. why we're going into this. And now it's, well, if anybody's sick at all, you got to stay in your house. So I think you try to move the ball back to that. You realize that the entire national press corps, with the exception of, of you know, you, Fox, and AM radio, is going to blast the living heck out of you for killing grandma. Um, and, and you have to walk it back as carefully as you can on that, push it off onto the governors where you can. I, you know, we're also, and then, and I think you also get the notion out there that we're not really seeing, when you look at lockdown states versus non-lockdown states, lockdown countries versus non-lockdown countries, there's really not a whole lot of, of, of compelling evidence at this point to say that actually made a difference in saving people's lives. And I think you try to get that out there and, and be as reasonable as possible. Look, I, I also think you have a more sympathetic population. I mean, a month or two ago, we, there was a lot we didn't know. A lot of normal people were like, yep, yeah, shut it down. I don't want to kill grandma. Now people are saying, okay, that's enough of this. It's not, uh, this is not the end of the world. It's not the end of America unless we sit in and, and, and drive our economy to commit suicide. Ken LaCourt, LaCourt News. Thank you, my friend. Good, good being on again. Thank you. We've got a lot more great stuff, and I'm not just talking about me. Hang on. I don't like China. I don't trust China. I feel like they are permanently ingrained in this society, and it drives me crazy. And I like it when we actually have elected officials who seem to be taking the problem seriously. 
like our next guest, Representative Jim Banks of Indiana. Congressman, before we get into all the other reasons I hate China, you are actually trying to do something about it. What are you doing about it? Well, uh, I'll tell you from the day I got elected to Congress, it's been a cheap mission of mine to address the China threat. I come from Northeast Indiana, a very blue collar, working class district. My constituents know full well that China has done so much to wreak havoc on our economy. They've, they've taken our jobs, they've given us the coronavirus, their negligence uh, is directly responsible for the spread of the pandemic. We know that they're trying to seize on this moment while, Amer while America's economy is on its knees to rework the global economy in their best interest. And we can't allow them to do that. We need to hold them accountable. And I've been uh, spending much of my time in my current office on doing just that. What is this predatory investments thing? Because I've been screaming at this at people and I want you to try to explain to them what exactly their predatory investments are. Well, there are a lot of examples of this. I can tell you, I, I co-chair something called the Future of Defense Task Force. That's part of the House Armed Services Committee. And I was in Silicon Valley in late February meeting with a number of uh, uh, venture capital funds and their leaders talking about innovation in the national defense arena and the type of investments and in companies that Silicon Valley is making uh, in the future of warfare. And one, one uh, lesson that I learned repeatedly from a number of these venture capital funds is that part of China's strategy is to come in and purchase or invest in our innovation, steal our intellectual property in the meantime, and then allow our, our companies uh, to suffer or go out of business after they get what they want. Uh, this is a part of their strategy. We're also seeing it though recently with Western media that China comes in and purchases and then uses it to spread their propaganda. We saw this recently with a with a renowned case of a radio station in Las Vegas that was purchased by the Chinese and then used as a CCP propaganda machine to broadcast uh, to influence uh, decision makers. One thing that I've, I've uh, uh, remarked about a lot recently is that every morning when I go to my office on Capitol Hill, I have a, a copy of the China Daily, which is a is their state-run newspaper that appears on every member of Congress's doorstep when they go to work in the morning. This is all part of their uh, of China's uh, sophisticated strategy to influence the United States of America. And one way they do it is make predatory acquisitions into companies in the United States that are in their best interest, but not in the best interest of our national security, stealing our companies and taking our jobs uh, to, uh, back to China uh, to use against the United States. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe we're actively distributing Chinese propaganda to American congressmen. That, that was normally just the Washington Post job, but that's another story entirely. How do you get them out when they're this, when they're this ingrained here? I mean, because you're right, they are invested. I mean, look at Hollywood. China has, we know this for a fact, they openly rewrite movie scripts to make it more pro-Chinese. That's absurd to me and other Americans, but I feel like people will feel like we're powerless to know exactly what to do about that. Yeah, another great example is, is what happened to the NBA and, and uh, yeah. the, the propaganda coming from NBA players, as we found the N NBA was so intertwined with China, set up by Chinese influence and investments as well. So what can we do about it? There is a, there is a government uh, arm called CFIUS, uh, that polices foreign investments in American companies. And, and uh, there was a law passed in the, in the defense bill 
uh, as part of the uh, part of the Armed Services Committee a couple of years ago called FIRMA, and FIRMA strengthened CFIUS as an entity to crack down on malign Chinese investments in American companies like what I described before. Uh, a bill that I introduced last week would strengthen CFIUS as, a, as an entity that can uh, police investments in media companies or uh, in Chinese investments of over 51% would immediately trigger uh, 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 actions by this uh, by this government arm and then give the president more authority in cracking down on these types of investments when they're made in companies that are not in the best interest of the United States national security to have China controlling companies that they can use against us. So that that's the that's the legislation that I introduced last week. There's so much more that we can do. And I've I've introduced dozens of bills uh, in this Congress and before. And it's one of the reasons that Kevin McCarthy last week set up the China Task Force as a clearinghouse for important ideas like these to shine a spotlight on the efforts of, of at this point, Republicans in Congress who want to who want to address the China threat. We wish this was this was a bipartisan issue. Around the country, it is a bipartisan issue, but in Congress, Democrats are willing to turn a blind eye, but Republicans are trying to do something about it. Uh, th- that took the words out of my mouth for the next question. Are you getting any bipartisan support? Clearly, you're not. Now, are you getting any? Is there Are there at least you know two or three Democrats saying, hey, Jim, I'm with you on this, or is this just lockstep them trying to defend China, which, to be honest, has been weird to me? It's really weird and uh, concerning to most Americans who are seeing what's going on on Capitol Hill. All, all of the recent polling, the Pew uh, Research polling uh, just in the last couple of days shows that an overwhelming majority of the American people, Republican, Democrats, independents, voters nationwide want Congress to crack down and address the China threat both militarily and economically. So that's why it's such a mystery that Democrats are MIA when it comes to addressing these important issues. I, I can tell you that uh, historically, we've worked together with Democrats uh, to address the China threat. I mean, I can tell you, for example, Nancy Pelosi was one of the loudest China hawks on Capitol Hill uh, until Donald Trump got elected. Now, now the word is out that if you, if you, uh, if you're a Democrat and you're working with Republicans to address the China threat, uh, the, the all of these Democrats who historically care about these issues are told that they're playing right into Donald Trump's hands and they're warned that they will be uh, taken to the woodshed if they if they sign their name on a piece of uh, legislation that addresses these important issues. I've got to imagine that the voting population is going to seek retribution against Democrats for turning a blind eye to these important issues come the November election. One would certainly hope. Are we militarily ready for China? Uh, we're getting there. I mean, this what this president has done in, in three and a half years to rebuild the American military, to, to uh, modernize the American military. Uh, we're making gains and strides in areas that we need to make uh, to combat the, the rise of China's military. From the, from the Chinese uh, Navy, which is uh, substantially uh, uh, larger than it was uh, before, to uh, sophisticated Chinese uh, military technologies that they've made investments in, like hypersonic missiles, and whatnot. We, we've had to catch up because during the Obama administration, uh, so much damage was done to our military that now we're catching up and rebuilding a lot of areas that it will take uh, to surpass the, the China threat militarily. That, that's why the Future of Defense Task Force that I'm a part of is so important because we're studying those issues and trying to understand better where we can foster the innovation base in, within, our, with our, within our defense infrastructure 
to keep up with those technologies. But I can tell you we're playing catch up and that's what's that's what's troublesome to me. We shouldn't be playing catch up. We should be exceeding the, the technology and efforts and innovation of the Chinese not catching up with it. Congressman Jim Banks, thank you for joining us tonight. Great to be with you. At least somebody there in Congress has taken China seriously. All right, we got more. Hang on. Well, this next segment really saddens my heart. I know we normally keep things light at the end of the show, but I had to, I had to come on here tonight with a heavy heart and talk about the great great American institution known as Red Lobster. As you will see, there's a Red Lobster in Pennsylvania. Manager apparently had to cancel some orders because people had been waiting in line for hours for their Red Lobster. And I have to tell you, I could not believe it when I got online last night and I saw the responses when people found out that there were folks in Pennsylvania waiting in hours, waiting in line for hours for Red Lobster. Um, have you guys ever had Red Lobster? I would give up vital parts of my anatomy for Red Lobster. I would wait for days for Red Lobster. It's not just the Cheddar Bay Biscuits either. Here, I'm about to tell you how to order at Red Lobster. What you need to do is obviously you get the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Then you get a salad. I don't, don't, I know I'm not a salad man, but Red Lobster has the best blue cheese in the world. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Then you get the cheese sticks. No one even knows about Red Lobster cheese sticks. I just broke that down for you. Probably the best cheese sticks I've ever had. Then you create your own feast. Don't worry about the potato side. Potatoes in general are overrated. I get fries, but I never eat them. And what you need to do is you need to get the shrimp scampi that comes in that high-end little bowl of garlic butter. And then, hear me out, and this is important, and you're going to think I'm crazy. They have the shrimp pasta. It's not on the menu, but they will make that Cajun style for you. So you get the Cajun shrimp Alfredo and the shrimp scampi. You devour all of that. You'll be wiping off all the butter and grease from your beard. I mean, if you're a man or an Italian woman. And then you take your little Cheddar Bay biscuits and you dip them in the garlic butter and eat them. And yes, are you going to smell like death for two or three days? Of course you are. But that, my friends, is the greatest meal you will ever have in your life. Get out there. Support your local Red Lobster. I'll see you tomorrow. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.